one of the things that I, that I felt led to talk about was one of the names that we have. One of the names that we call ourselves, and I think other people call us, and there's been some freaky movies with that name, and that is Believer. You know, the Believers, you know, that can kind of, you know, can almost have like a little cultish type feel to it. Ooh, the Believers. What are they believing? <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a lot of believers out there. And, there, and obviously a lot of them are believing a lot of weird things. But in the Word of God, believers is used often. In the word belief, believe, believes, believing, just look in your concordance. It's just like, whoa, it goes on and on and on and on. And so when we, when we look at this, when we look at the subject of healing and... Um, And we have times of healing that we don't see healing. Or we come up and ask for healing and we don't receive healing. There's a natural question saying, well, you know, what's, what's wrong or what's missing? Did I do something wrong? Did I pray wrong? And we have, you know, I don't have all the answers to that, but the Word of God does and the Spirit of God does. And so as we just dive in a little bit more, our believer in us is going to get stronger. And our unbelief gets weaker. We're a work in progress. Remember the three-part being thing, the spirit, soul, and body? We're a work in progress because we still have a mind that wants to try to have control. And we have a body that's saying, ow, it still hurts. And so we have those two factors going on. So I wanted to to start by, uh, by encouraging us through the Word of God. I mean, you know, we could, it'd be better if, I, I have a pastor friend of mine who wrote his sermons and they were all scripture. So every single word that came out of his mouth was scripture. He just had one of those talents. He, he basically had the Bible memorized. And, you know, he didn't say, thus saith the Lord in Isaiah. You know, he just, he spoke his message and use scriptures for every sentence. And it was just, you had to, you had to kind of sit and listen. I don't know if he still does that, because this was a long time ago that I sat under his teaching. He was an associate pastor of my dad's. And it was just so beautiful. So if I could say less and the scripture could say more, it would be good. I'm going to just uh, paraphrase Isaiah. You know, Jesus bore our grief, our sickness, our weakness, our distresses, and he carried our sorrows and our pains on the cross. And through those stripes, before even before he got to the cross, those stripes that just cut into his back was for our healing. So we, we have certain scriptures like that, that 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 maybe don't resonate deep enough, but we have all sorts of scriptures that we can stand on that talk about healing. In the New Testament, when Jesus healed, they all were healed. But then remember, when he went to his hometown, only some were healed. So one of those missing ingredients, not the missing ingredients, that's, that's a bad way of saying it. The thing that I love to talk about that's our part, because we all know, at least we know in head knowledge, and hopefully the spirit man is getting in, into the head more about this knowledge, of this truth, is that God has done his part. He's faithful. All his promises are yes and amen. 
and healing is all through the scripture, Old and New Testament. In the, in the New Testament, there's never a condition. Never do they say, and they might be healed. Or never do they say, and some of them got healed. It's just so consistent. You know, if, if we had to sit down and, and we had a really good you know, discussion about healing, if I get to use the Word of God and you get to use the Word of God, I'm just going to wipe you out if you're arguing against the fact that, that God, God has, says healing is yours. I love you so much. Yes, I want you to be restored. I'm going to heal you. And so we have to think about, then, what is our part? Well, our part is that title I just talked about, Believer. And sometimes it can be so hard. Jill and I, when we have these deep discussions talking about this, it sounds hard, and people get frustrated, yet it's so easy. And we need to talk about this as often as possible so that we can understand what's going on. Why are we having difficulty seeing the healing or believing in the healing? I mean, let's be, let's be really honest here. It's the believing that has us hurting. It's not our faith, because Jesus said if you had the faith of a mustard seed, the size of a mustard seed, you can move that mountain. So it's not faith. But look at how many times he rebuked the, the disciples for their lack of faith, for their unbelief. And, you know, and the one dad, when the disciples said, oh, we can't cast out the spirit. And the dad, and he says, all you have to do is believe. And the father says, help me with my unbelief. That is a very valid prayer that I pray a lot. Lord, help me with my unbelief. Don't be satisfied. Don't, don't stay with the status quo of your life and say, this is my limit. You know, and, and from here on, I can't believe for. You know, I might say I do at church, but in my knower, I'm not there yet. So I want to talk about one of the stories from the Word that is so, that is so um, compelling because Abraham is our, the father of faith. He's the believing Abraham. Uh, his faith, by, because of his faith, it was, it was said to him to be righteousness. Basically, he was righteous because of his faith. So I want to turn to the story of... I'm going to skip the first three scriptures and go to the story of Abraham out of Genesis 15. So if you can turn to Genesis 15, verse 1. This was a, a man who was not born again, did not have the Spirit of God dwelling within him as a holy temple, but we can learn from him. He had not nearly as much stuff going for him as we do. And let's, let's hear his, this part of his story. Starting in verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing that I go, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is a Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, no one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said to him, 
Look toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and the Lord accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit. When Abraham asked, how could this be? You know, number one, God wasn't angry with him. It was a very, it was a very good question. It was a very reasonable question. And God is a, he's not a dictator. He's a commutative, personal God. What I love about this illustration is he came to Abram on Abram's level. He just didn't, this is, I'm, I'm trying to get to a certain point that I'm going to give you a little hint. This is a big key. He didn't expect Abram just to, you know, have this lofty promise out there and, and believe it. God wanted to make it real. And so he, he came and spoke in his own language and he used a, a natural, natural scene. He said, Abram, look in those stars. Just like you can't number those stars, you're not going to be able to number your descendants. So Abram, you know, had that, that personal touch from God. God was walking him. And remember, he had already gone down the path. He had already said, yes, Lord, when the Lord told him to go. And, you know, so he was, all along the way, God was taking faith steps with him to increase his believer so that he was a believing God. I mean, believing Abraham, believing in God and his promises so that when he got to facing certain things, he had that belief system. And another part of the story that I like is he didn't get it all right. Remember? <laughs> when, you know, he told, told the king that Sarah was his wife. I mean, his sister. Sarah's his wife. He told the king that it was his sister. And, and then, of course, he went to Hagar. And it took 25 years from the promise to, to come forth. But the important thing is, is the beginning. The beginning, he believed God. Let's look at a couple other scriptures that kind of go on in that story. Romans 4, starting in verse 17. Do you realize the degree of trust that Abram had to have had in God? To leave, to put the knife to his son, to just move forward in faith on something that wasn't seen, you know, a promise that for 25 years was not seen. He had this unwavering trust. Well, he had gone through these steps that little by little he was understanding, wow, this God that's speaking to me can be trusted. Let's look in Romans 4, what it has to say about Abraham. I think this is just amazing. I'm going to read this slow on purpose because it's just, there's just so much in here. Starting in verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who, now he's talking about Abram, Abraham, who, contrary to hope, in hope, believed. I'm going to stop right there. Contrary to hope means the real hope was my wife is barren and 95 or 90 and, and I'm you know almost 100 or whatever that age was when he had to believe. Actually, he was 100 when, when he had Isaac. But, uh, 
you know, he, he was looking at the, the, the hope that he saw was hopeless. So this is saying, contrary to the hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. So he didn't look at the surface. He just got, went by God's word. So shall your descendants be, was spoken. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider that. You know, there's one of the keys on, on developing that, that belief, being a believer within our, our knower, and within our spirit, is we don't consider the things that are contrary to the promise of God. We don't consider them. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. I can see him giving glory to God every night for 25 years. And having and being fully convinced that what, I'm going to add, God had promised, God was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. In Hebrews 11.12, and you don't have to turn there, this will be on the screen. Hebrews 11.12 says, Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the skies in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Then Hebrews 11.6 is another, another hint. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Here's one of the secrets. Let's just put on earthly terms. You have a relationship. Let's say it's a, uh, a husband-wife, you know, husband-wife relationship. If that relationship is estranged and basically you don't really even consider that the person actually is there, or actually exists, and, and it's just on paper that you have this marriage, I mean, you know, I don't have to go very far with understanding that it's, it's, there's no relationship. So faith, and he gives us this perfect picture in Abraham, faith and that, that tremendous unwavering belief in who God is and what he says, is, is that's how he set up our relationship with him. If we take that out, what do we want to just be puppets and he just runs the show? I mean, it's almost like we're asking for two things. We want free will, but we want just everything just to happen. We just say a magic word and it just all happens. We just say, I believe, and then it, the healing comes. No, that's not good enough. That'd be like uh, when, we're, when we're sharing the gospel message. If we're sharing the gospel message and we say, all you have to do is just say this. I mean, can, can, can a person get saved if they don't believe in the gospel message? No, they can't. We have lots of scriptures that talk about, and I, I was going to read some of those, that talk about that we cannot have faith in something we don't understand. You know, basically talking about all the wisdoms of God and, and how he wants to bring us this knowledge of understanding of these secret wisdoms. And God has it all there for us. He knows that we can't have faith without that. He knows that we need knowledge about him and understanding 
Someone cannot get saved unless they hear the gospel story and understand it. You can, have, you can see someone hear the gospel story about what Jesus did on the cross for him. Just kind of visualize someone, and they're just kind of like, you know, they're just, you know, they're listening to you, but they're not listening to you. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's someone who hears the gospel story, and the light just goes on. Like, what? Jesus did that for me, and all my sin and ugliness and all that darkness and everything I feel inside that's so ugly, that just goes away on him. And I, he gives me his righteousness, and just like I'm him. I can stand before God just like I'm Jesus. And he did this for me free, and there's nothing I have to do. And when, they, when the light goes on and they understand that, they're just running to the altar. And they have no problem saying, I believe that because it just resonates. Well, when we, when we have trouble with scriptures that talk about truths, if we don't have that same amazement at this truth, then we're at risk of just having it be up here and we're just saying it, we're just saying it without the Spirit going through the spirit with our words we can we can do damage but we're also secretly making covenants with unbelief we're secretly making covenants with systems that are not of god and we don't even know it so then we kind of like well i'm saying this but yeah but you're also saying this and your mind is also thinking this way i know this you know on this on the surface when we talk about things like this it's almost like when i'm talking about uh spirit soul and body when i when i preached on that it's almost beyond even the, the Christian. Dis- well, what I, I don't, I, you know, I can't get that. Okay, let's talk about it again. Your spirit was dead, and your spirit became born again. You still can't see it. It's your spirit that became a new creature. Still can't see it, but your spirit is now seated, seated, seated with Christ in the heavenlies. It's your. spirit. Spirit that is actually up there communing with the Spirit. And the Spirit of God is within our spirit. That's, I know it's wild, but the, the, the Corinthians, that are, I can't remember what, I think it's Romans, uh, it, it talks about it being the same. So if you, if you start going down that path of understanding the importance of your spirit man, your spirit woman, being renewed when you became born again, then you can start understanding that some of these things that seem too big to believe in and have faith in, we are we are now we now have the nature of God within us. God's nature is believing. Jesus is the ultimate believer. We look at Jesus for do we see any doubt in Jesus? Do we see any worry or fear or stress or uncertainty? None. He is our model. Adam, Adam had that, and it was lost. Jesus, when he came, he took it back. He took it back. He took that back from the enemy. Death was now conquered. And if we don't understand this, we can't go, you know, talk about first principles. Yeah. Uh, the the, the three-part being spirit, soul, and body, and how all the stuff it talked about that happened to us happened in our spirit man. And our spirit man is now the main deal. That our spirit and our soul is what's going to go on to heaven, but the spirit man is what's connected to Christ. It's how we commune with Christ. It's how we get the mind of Christ. And if that spirit man got reborn and was three years old and set in a 
shelf somewhere deep inside, and then we went on like, guess what? The whole, all the epistles are talking about this kind of Christian, and then we went on with our mind and our body. We're a Christian, we're saved, we're believers, and we have a resurrected spirit man or spirit woman within us who's three years old. And you wonder why, well, can a three-year-old understand much? You know, a three-year-old can't get the big concepts. They can't, you know, they can understand, save me, save me, and then I get saved. So they can probably understand that. But if our spirit person within us, our spirit man, our spirit within us, if we're not taking those steps of faith like God did with Abraham, I mean, it, it was action. You know, James talks about Abraham, and he's saying, you know, faith without works is dead. If Abraham had not stepped out in faith and done those things, it would have been worthless. They might as well just sat in the pew and said, Amen! And that would have been about as worthless as it would be. So he took steps of faith, and that's how his faith grew. God was there along the side. He knew. He knows us. He knows we need practice. We need real examples. If we are sitting on our, in the pew and we think in our, maybe it's not so much on our mind, maybe it's deeper within, like in our subconscious, that's maybe, you know, we don't even know we have that kind of part in our brain that's really holding us back. You know, it's really deep. And it's just like, well, I, you know, I really, gosh, I, if I had to make, you know, I don't even know if I can say I believe in God. I'm just hoping. I'm hoping this is all true. If that's, if that's there, you might be sitting in the, in, the, in the pews and saying, well, the first time I see someone resurrected from the dead or, or, or when one of those, you know, we've had people come up and, and, and they, they can't even walk. When I see one of them healed, then I'll believe. Are we, is some of us like that? I mean, are, we, are we waiting for that? Or are we going to be a believer? Are we going to count what God's said as righteous, no matter what I see, no matter how many dead bodies I see? I mean, he saw a lot of dead bodies for 25 years, and he stuck with it. He made some mistakes. Guess what? In this world, you will have trouble, but he has overcome the world, so rejoice, but you will have trouble. Now, Paul... You're the man of God. Look at all the things that happened to him. It didn't matter. Paul said, you know what? You can take my food away. You can take this away. You can, you know, doesn't, doesn't matter. I'm going to be content in anything because he's got me. No matter what happens. So if you're, if you're, if you're the, the everything has to be rosy Christian and first sign of trouble, then God must not be real. Well, let's go to Romans 5, 3 through 5, and it talks about why we have those kind of tribulations so that we can mature, that we can kind of get that confidence in God. Well, guess what? I'm not saying that he causes trials, but he is also a God that disciplines us. And if we need some growing up, well, you know, I don't know exactly how that works. I'm just being honest with you. Because he does say that God disciplines those he loves, but he'll never tempt you with evil. He will never use bad. He doesn't use, he doesn't whip you. But discipline is unique. There are scriptures in the Old Testament, and I don't know if they apply to New Testament, that he says, well, he gave them over to follow after their own desires or their own devices. Or he gave them over to the futility of their mind. Man, I don't know. Maybe he... Maybe that's how he disciplines some of us. If we're like really getting screwy 
And we're, you know what? Okay, go that way, and then I'll be here when you come back. We didn't lose our salvation or anything, but, you know, I don't know exactly how that works. All I know is he's looking for believers. Abraham is our example to believe no matter what they see. There might be someone in here, and, and I, I just also feel led to share this kind of a strange story. Uh, I'll set, share two stories. And this has to do with believing. Abraham had, had needed something concrete to believe in, so God told him, you know, showed him the stars, and, and you know, God will do those kind of things. And so sometimes you call out. Sometimes you have not because you ask not. Yeah. Those who lack wisdom, just ask God. I just told, how's this told, story told to me today by a friend of Bob and I? We know this gentleman. He goes to our church, and his wife is sitting in the middle of the sanctuary. And no, it's, it's, I'm talking about Eric Hoff, and he told me a story this morning that he was driving, he was driving to a job site, and he was a half an hour late. I mean, he was going to be a half an hour late. And I can't remember what street he was driving on, but he was driving, and there was this jewelry store on the side. And as he was approaching that, he, he felt in his spirit God say, turn in here. And he said, no, I'm going to be late. And then all of a sudden, he's turning in. He's like, okay, I guess I'm turning in. <laughs> and so he went right to the front uh, parking spot, right in front of the only building that was there. And it was a jewelry store, so he, he walked in, and he's, you know, you just have to know Eric. He's just kind of real matter-of-fact and, you know, just, you know, just not going to, like, beat around the bush. And so they said, well, hi, can I help you? And he walked in, and I'm, I'm sure it was just kind of like this. He's just kind of like, well, I don't know much about diamonds, but uh, God told me to come in. And the lady just looked there, looked at him and said, oh, my goodness, I just finished praying that God would send me an angel to help. And she said, we had just, we'd just been called, uh, the, the people are on their way to pick up all of our inventory for, for debt, and we're going to lose it all, and we don't know what to do. We were just crying out for help, and we didn't, we didn't know what to do. And, and, and Eric had a word for him, and he said, well... It, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was the children of Israel. When they were coming out of Egypt, uh, God said to them, if my, if my children, it's one of those times, maybe they're already in the promised land, but it was something like, if my, if my children would have stopped and worshipped me before they crossed over, I would have given them victory. And they said, that's exactly what we need to hear. We're Christians, and we just, you know, we went before, we went, went before God, we haven't even been, so they you know, and Eric, bye, you know, and he got in his car, and, and he's driving along. Two minutes later, he gets a call from the client that he's supposed to meet there and says, oh, Eric, I'm so sorry, I'm running 45 minutes behind, I won't be there for another 15 minutes. And Eric says, that person, now the story is kind of about Eric, but it's also about that person asking for an angel, Lord, I need help. And I feel led to tell the guys heard my story, and I'll tell the short version. About five years ago, I was in deep, deep depression, or almost there. Every day, I was seeking the Lord. I, I wasn't working, and I had all you know. I don't. It doesn't really matter how I got there. And there was a big hole in the middle of the living room, spiraling, a big black hole, at this particular day. And I was standing. I was standing. I was standing. And believing, you know, as much as I could with my strength, but I, I was at the end, and I called out to God, 
and I quoted his scripture, and I said, you spoke to this person audibly, you know, Abraham, that you spoke to this, I quoted three scriptures where God spoke audibly, and I say, I need an audible voice right now, or I'm falling in there. And this will be one of those, I've fallen and can't get up, I'm afraid. Because <laughs> that was, I don't know where the bottom of that was, but it was not pretty. And I, you know, every day my wife would look at me, are you okay, honey? Because, I mean, it was, whew, I mean, it was a battle. It was going back and forth. But then I was done. And I cried out to my Lord. And 20 minutes later, I received a phone call that, you know, just surprised me. And I, it was a deep, gravelly voice. And when I tell the story the right way, people think, oh, it was really God? And it wasn't really God, but it was God. It was the best man from my wedding who I hadn't talked to in 16 years. He's lived in Sweden for 16 years. Called me in the middle of the night and said, I just, it was just silly that, I, that we haven't kept up. I, and I can't believe your home number was still the same. I mean, we'd moved twice, and it was still... Or no, we had moved, but you know, it had been so many years, but we were able to keep the number. And he went on to tell me how much I meant to him and the sharing Lord with him. He went on and on, and then a different voice came on, and he preached to me. And this is a guy who's probably not walking with the Lord. In fact, I think he had a little bit too much to drink. <laughs> so when the voice changed, he sobered up a little bit. I mean, he sobered up quite a bit. And he went on to preach to me every single thing I needed to hear. And I'm telling you the story because I called out. He promised, yes, his promise was, I'm here. I'm with you. And I caught up a new man and boom, there I went. And it was like, it was done. All I needed to know that he was there. Abraham knew God was there. Do you know God's there? Or is he the God of the Bible? Is he right beside you? We know the right answer. But do you know that? Are you a believer? Is your title believer? If you struggle, doesn't mean you're not a believer. It means that you're going through something, that you're going through a battle. The enemy's main job is to get you to doubt God's goodness, like he did with Adam and Eve. That's his, that's his only weapon against Christians, is to just throw in, oh, it's, it's bad, it's not going to happen. See, it's not going to happen. I'm sure that you know there was an enemy trying with Abraham every day. My God said it, and I believe it. You know, pew, you know, and the enemy has to flee again, like Pastor talked about last week or Sunday. So we we have to realize that we have responsibility that affects so much. It affects receiving our healing. Now I'm not saying that uh, you can take the. I you know I'm going to just put this out there. This is just coming from me. You can, in my opinion, you can take the faith message sometimes too far, and what people end up doing is then when everything doesn't go exactly like they, they proclaimed it has to be, then they just walk away from God. And it's just, that's just so empty. That's so conditional. God loves us unconditionally. We, in turn, believe him unconditionally. I don't care what I see. I don't care how I feel. This is what I'm believing in. I'm going to get this darn brain and this stupid body in line with my spirit eventually. It's a work in progress. If you are dis- disappointed with your believer, don't give up. 
That's why we have the Word of God. If you're not looking into the Word of God to see who you are, like I talked about, remember the Word is like a mirror. So you read those things, oh, that's how I am. Oh, that's how I'm supposed to act. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that's what I look like in my spirit man. Oh, you know, you have to read those and not just be words about what you're going to be like someday. You read these things about yourself, that's who I am. If you, you keep telling yourself that's who you are, your spirit gets stronger, your mind gets in line, and your body, you know, I'm just starting this journey. And my body has not been sick coming up on two years because, no, I, I believe that sickness has no right in my body. Now, okay, what can I do next? I couldn't do the next until I got that. I mean, you got you know. Let's say it's not harder for God; it's just harder for our believer to get to the next level, to to believe for that cancer to be out of that person's body because I command it, because they tell it has to leave. But if we are not walking down that path like Abraham did, so that our believer is getting strengthened, do you just want to stay where you're at? Do you want to just say this is it and until, you know, flat, you know, let's wait for miracles, let's wait for the tent meeting, let's wait for flashes of light, let's wait for the, the, the cloud to get in, in, the, in the sanctuary. You know, that reveals, that reveals a lot about your relationship with God. You know, it's just kind of like, well, you know what, when I start seeing this or when I see this or when the pastor starts preaching this way or when people start being friendly to me at church and... You know, we, we have to somehow realize that our title of believer is a big deal. Amen. That is the main deal. If, if you think about it, if we are a believer, if, if we're thinking that, no, I'm not, you know, yes, I'm a Christian, and we could just say Christian and not know what that really means, but Christian means we're, we're little Christ, that, you know, we are Christ. We're like mirrors of Christ. We're, you know... I got trouble by, for, last time by saying we're little Christ. But, you know, yes, we're not Christ, but we have everything that Christ has within us. So we, you know, that's what Christian means. But we say, I am Christian, just like, well, I'm Christian. You know, like, we're a Christian nation. Well, let's not do that with believer either. I'm a believer. Wow, what do, what do believers do? What? Believe. Believers believe. And if we're waiting, if we're waiting, I'm going to believe when I see. Oh, wait a minute. Let's go back to some other scriptures. You know, blessed are those who believe without seeing. A perverse generation just looks for signs and wonders. I'm only going to speak to the people in parables because they seek me. To, they try to hear, but they're not going to hear. And they try to, they try to see, and they're not going to see. So there's some, there's some truths in there that God is looking for those who are going to worship him in spirit and in truth, not as a bandwagon, not as, yes, I finally found the best club that has all the goods. No. Spirit, that's our spirit person within us. If we're not developing that and we're not walking in our, 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 our spirit man, then we cannot do this Christian walk. It's not meant to be done in the flesh and in the brain. We can't do it. We can only be good for so long, then we got to be bad. It's kind of like one of those. Uh, it's it's like a. Oh gosh, I'm, I'm blanking out on analogies. But if you're doing it in the flesh, you will eventually get tired, and then you will 
sin. I don't know how else to say it. If you are living the Christian life with your flesh and your mind, and the spirit man has nothing to do with it, it's all about how you feel, it's all about what you see, it's all about how motivated you can get today with inspirational thoughts, you will fall. You will fall back into sin. Look what was going on in the, in the Bible. The Corinthian church was, I mean, all these churches that were getting rebuked by Paul, they were going back to the old ways, back to the law, back to bondage. Paul said, yeah, you might as well go all the way and just, you know, what do they call that when they cut themselves, all that kind of whip themselves and all that, you know, I can't, yeah, mutilation. You might as well go all the way and mutilate your body because they were going all the way back to the law. So the reason why I felt the Lord wanted me to bring this up is two reasons. Number one, belief you know, is our part. God does his part, and now we have to have our belief system. It's our faith journey. It's basically faith is the system that God has set up for us to relate to him in. And our belief, being a believer, is is the language that is the is the covenant that we have with him. And if we violate that covenant by saying I'm not a, I'm not I'm not a, I'm not going to believe you about this, then that's like a woman or a man saying to their spouse, you know, no, this part of the marriage, you know, I don't agree with even though we made a covenant. It just doesn't work. You know, when you're in a covenant, you you both follow your covenant. For those of you that um, I, I use that analogy, I'm going to close with this, and then we're going to we're going to actually talk, do some healing. Um, I have this neat kind of thing that I wanted to. When you talk about the great exchange, you know, we're talking about how those of you that, that I was trying to compare uh, salvation to other things that you believe in, it's easiest easy for us to understand. Yeah, you have to believe in the gospel message to get saved. And what I, what I want you to think about is these other promises in the Bible about who we, have, well, who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ, we have to believe that to receive. We can't just say, I'm saved, and now God has to inject it into me. No, no. We have to receive the next gift. I believe that you gave me the gift of a healthy body. And I'm taking it. I believe that you give me the mind of Christ so I can think of creative ways to make money. I believe that you've given me direct access to God and to his spirit and and, all the wisdom that he has. So you have to take that same kind of commitment. I mean, we we should should probably have a salvation altar call and then a commitment to believe in this altar call and just have people come up and make these public declarations. Because guess what? When we're out and about, we just all act like we believe in everything. You know, that's almost like if we never asked people if they were saved or not, we never brought up the subject, well, maybe we need to start bringing up the other subjects. You know, you know how's your believer doing on, you know, this? You know, have you, have, you, have you believed God for this? You know, I don't know. That's probably, that's definitely not in the Bible, but, you know, it just makes sense to me. <laughs> So this is for those that just want to understand the great exchange. I just like the way this guy wrote this. About 2,000 years ago, there was a great exchange between God and man. 
Jesus Christ came to earth as a son of man so that we might become sons of God. Jesus became as we are so that we could become as he is. He went to hell where we were to go so that we can go to heaven where he came from. When Jesus redeemed us, the redemption gave us mastery over sin, sickness, disease, and every other thing from the kingdom of darkness. When you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God came in covenant with you. He exchanged your life and nature for his life and nature. He immediately made you a brand new creature. You became what is called a believer. We, if that is the key. We are not who we were. We can't see it, but we have to understand it. Or this, this basically, this whole faith walk. I'm surprised anybody could even stay in church if they don't understand that. And millions do. They stay in church. I have no idea why, and they don't understand the great exchange. My old dead spirit was taken out because it was dead. When it's when something's dead, it's dead. And his spirit, well, it was taken out and moved aside, and his spirit came within me, and it really resurrected my spirit. So I, but it says ours was removed, so that's kind of wild. But maybe it's easier to understand that ours it got resurrected. So our spirit resurrected from the dead, and his spirit within us. So we now have a different nature. We're not just human nature. We were human nature. Now we're God. We're we're divine nature. And we just still have the old brain still, and we have the old body still. But that doesn't change the, the fact of what happened during that great exchange. And everything makes sense from then. Then you can, oh, now I understand. I just have to commune my spirit to God, and, and you know, and that's why praying in tongues all of a sudden makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that that direct con- connection, you know, be spirit filled and having that you know that that power being uh, being just uh, emboldened and just set free makes sense now because that spirit man can be saved and be a baby. But no, we need that spirit to to resurrect that. So I hope that that would give you the kind of, uh, well, let's just say, whatever you're believing for this evening. You might not be believing enough to receive it today, but that's okay. You keep going. You keep going at it. You come up again, and then you come up again. You go back to the scriptures. Lord, it's not, I don't want to make it sound like it's a rat maze. No, it's very simple. We get him in line with him and believe that, and we take those steps of, of I believe. It's like Abraham for 25 years. I believe. Get off me. I believe. So things that you're not seeing, don't let that alter your faith, alter your believer. You just keep proclaiming. Um, and I don't have time to let Bob share his testimony, but if anybody after... After church, asked Bob about his testimony about getting hurt, and he just got right back up. He shared it with the men, and 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 he had lots of wounds, but he just stood in a spirit man and said, "Nope, that's not going to have the effect on my body, 
and he just went on and everything healed within days and, and he went on and he wasn't hurt at all. He, he took that authority over his body because he believed that he had it. Amen. Just like I'm taking authority over my body that you know no cold can get me, no virus or sickness can get me. I'm taking authority because I believe it. And I can't wait till I get to the next believer. You know, I'm praying for my dad on his fight against cancer, and I, I'm a little bit stressed with myself that my believer's not there yet. But here's the good news. It can be. Amen. It can be. It can be tonight, instantly. It's all about you, know, you getting things lined up, that what are you finally going to believe? Are you going to believe what you see? Or are you going to believe what you, what you hear from God? It's really that simple. And I know that we, you know, we, we try to make it harder or we try, you know, we make it simple, but. Remember the but God? Yeah. We make, make it simple, but. You know, I talk to my, well, someone about this. And I, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, but that's not what I see. I don't see healing every time. doesn't matter. We stand believing and knowing that you received it. And why the manifestation doesn't happen right away, that's, you know, we're trusting God.